Hello, you're about to listen to our podcast, Three Chefs in a Pod. Some of our episodes have been filmed during lockdown over dodgy Wi-Fi. As such, some of our episodes' sound quality aren't quite what we had hoped for. We appreciate your support and promise the sound quality does get better, so please do keep listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi guys and welcome to Three Chefs in a Pod. Let me introduce myself. My name is Ian Samuels. I am Vissan Nenden. And Peter Pickering. Hi, nice to see you all. How are we all doing? Good. Yeah. yeah very well, very well. Very well indeed, yeah. And Smiley yourself? Face. What you'd be doing? Yeah, of course, man. We always, always, we're a, we're a smiling crew. Yeah. I'm fantastic, actually. I've been, just been working, just chilling with the kids, school, um, school drop-offs and stuff like that today, you know? Ah, yeah, nice. Fun. Yeah, but that's not, that's, that's just crazy, the school drop-offs. Yeah, disaster. Yeah, a, complete, a complete disaster, like, like a complete disaster. Hey, what can we do? Yeah. <laughs> right, so I'm presuming today one of the topics we're going to talk about is kitchen disasters or places we've worked in with strange and different, should I say, strange and different foods? Can I get away with that? Mm, yeah, I suppose strange, different, I suppose, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can do, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so if we don't mind, um, maybe Peter, you can start first and explain and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, no, there's this... this pub I worked at in Kennington and they did some weird stuff there. <laughs> I totally agree it was. They did them strange, strange things. I mean like crikey, all these animals were just going yeah. missing, weren't they? The chef was bizarre. No, I'm only that's only Vincent's pub, but um no yeah, I do, I do have, uh, thinking about it actually um I do have a funny story. I worked um this is when I was working at uh, the Milestone Hotel in, in um High Street, Kensington, I think it was. Yeah, that's where okay. it is, yeah. yeah. And we used to have a, a dog menu. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're thinking. We, it's, not, it's not a menu with, with different types of dog meat on it. It's, it's a menu for, for people's dogs to, to, you know, they could choose food for their dogs to eat. What did we have on it? We had things like sausages and mash, um, steak and gravy, waffles and, and chopped chop meat and stuff. Yeah. And... Um, we didn't get many orders. I think we came in one morning and the breakfast chef had basically came up to us and he's like, oh, I, you know, had an order for a, for a dog menu. I've never done it, never done it before. Um, it was, ste- it was, I think it was a steak and gravy. And he's just like, don't worry, I've done it. I've taken care of it. And he's like, okay, cool. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, I'll use the steak and just sort of hands this packet to us of um, the, the steak, the steak he decided to, to cook and chop up and give to this dog and just shows us a packet of this uh, Japanese Wagyu Wagyu sirloin steak he's used for the dog. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It cost fifty pounds a portion to buy in, so that'd be on the menu for about two hundred pounds. Fucking hell. I bet it was I bet it was bobbing his head back and forward like the Churchill dog, mate. Pure happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, dog had a pretty pretty good breakfast that day. Um yeah, well, that's... Say, Peter, I'm gonna have to say this one, sorry. Did he wolf it down? <laughs> <laughs> He was barking mad after it. Oh, barking mad. Uh, well done, Pete. I bet you were, you were planning that one, weren't you, Ian? Yeah. Been practicing that one. Yeah, you were. I can see. I can yeah. see. Okay, what about you, Vincent? Have you got any interesting stories about animals? On, on your other Ani- well, <laughs> some interesting videos about animals, but no, we're just not going to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, 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 you know, I, I don't think in terms of 
bizarre thing. I know the most bizarre thing I've actually eaten when I was actually, it's a childhood thing, actually, when I was seven years old, actually, yeah, around the seven-year-old time, my gran cooked the most amazing, amazing scrambled eggs that we used to have every weekend, or she would just cook them for us. And it wasn't until we kept on saying, what is this? It's really good. What eggs are they? It wasn't. It was lamb's brain. Nice. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, though. And, and the fact that she convinced us to eat it, and I said it was absolutely delicious, mm. really, really delicious. And uh, but if you try and give a seven year old to eat lamb's brain now, I don't think anyone could, really, no. would they? Yeah, no, I think, not... yeah, I think there's an age where you go through where you don't really sort of associate what you're eating, you, you know, you don't really think about it. And then, then, then there's an age where you sort of some, I think, some part of you switches on where it's like, oh, I don't want to eat brains, but <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember. I don't a, think a lot of people would eat brains. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, remember as a as a child, my mum, um, she's from Thailand, used to cook up all sorts of stuff. And like when she'd bake a whole fish, you know, like I used to love those eyeballs. It used to be one of my favourite parts of parts of the fish. Now I, I would never eat really? eyeballs. But Crikey, I was about bitter. When I was about five or six. Yeah. I used to love them. It was a texture. They little the little pop, the little pop. And then and I didn't have them for a few years. And then afterwards, I just grew and I was like, now I never never want to really eat the eyeballs <laughs> as a kid i used to love them it's, yeah. it's, it's weird i think there's i think there's you go through some bit and something in your mind just switches on i think there's a child you don't associate eyeballs as eyeballs you know you just kinda... no, you don't know no, 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 but, oh, yeah it's a bit like an indiana jones uh, uh clip that is eyeball eyeball curry eyeball curry i'm gonna mention one because um there's another dish we had when i was younger as well um chicken feet soup that's another interesting one. But that's nice, though. See, I, I am really bizarre when it comes to eating. It's like uh, I like anything that's awful. Like I could, I love tripe. I, yeah. I love kidneys, liver. You, you know, chicken feet is fantastic, though. It looks well. It tastes fantastic, but to look at it, it's kind of like off point. Like yeah. You've got the feet, yeah. Then you've got the nails. It's like, mm. you know. But do you have to clip the nails off, kid. though? Isn't it? Don't you have to clip the nails. The claim clip the nail bits off and that and uh, there's yeah. a layer of skin that's on it as well that you've got to blanch and peel off <laughs> yeah but to look at it when it comes in its raw state like, you sure about this did you eat well, it especially as a kid yeah um, I ate it but when I think about it as I get older I think to myself like no I wouldn't eat it I just think looking at the, the chicken feet's kind of off putting for me but saying that though on another flip side pig shots I love pig shots with your feet again so yeah. it depends you know Another thing I used to love when I was a kid, my mum used to boil up chicken hearts. Oh, I, I used to love them just, like, she used to boil them up just salted. And um, I remember one time um, I had my friend over, I don't know, you know, we were primary school, whatever. And, and, um, she was t- and my friend was telling her mum what we'd had for dinner. She's like, oh, we had chicken hearts for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> my friend's mum looked absolutely <laughs> horrified. <laughs> she looked absolutely <laughs> horrified. I can imagine, man. Well, chicken hearts, crikey. Yeah. I bet, I bet oh, the, the, the vision was really, really wrong yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, didn't affect our friendship. But, uh, I, I don't think she stayed for dinner too many times after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, Dave. Good, good way of closing the doors, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. is, is, is there any ingredients you absolutely hate or you dislike? Or yeah. Yes, I've got a couple. Yeah. <laughs> So I think because of being a child, I mean, don't you eat so much of one thing, but after you get older, you probably get sick of it. Because uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, rhubarb, I'm not a rhubarb fan. Oh, I love rhubarb. 
for me. Don't get it. For me, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, I bought these. I from, it, yeah. yeah, I, I was curious, and I, I saw these um, bitter gourds in in um, in the market. Oh, I love bitter gourds. Honestly, I've ta- never. I've, I've no idea how to cook them. I've <laughs> never tasted anything <laughs> so bitter in my life. Honestly, they I are. couldn't they get the what... taste out of my mouth for ten minutes. Yeah. It was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> no, uh, they're not. Do you know what it is? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Bitter gourd is. I love bitter gourd. I, I mean, I, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it is the most bitter thing you could ever taste. There's no doubt about it. But what you need to do is that you need to soak it in salt water and change it. it take and change it several times over, and it takes the bitterness out of it. But I don't I mean, believe that. I don't. There's still a, there's still a level of bitterness in it. But I, I mean, I've I've done uh, bitter gourd puree, and basically, I I would soak it. I'd cook, I'd actually blanch it, cook it in milk three or four times like like okay. like, like you want to take, you know when you want to take yeah. the sharpness out of garlic or shallots and that so did it with, i would do that with better gourd then i would actually saute off some onions uh shallots and butter and right. then just okay. basically add no color whatsoever add the bitter gourd to it cook it out add the, add the milk and then quickly bring it to a cook and then just puree it and uh, add finish off with a bit of butter at the end of it and uh it's a slight bit isn't it but I love it. My 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 in Mauritius, how they do it, they actually uh, do it the same way. They they will soak it in uh, salty water, but pickle it. They'll actually pick it, and that reduces the actual bitterness in it as well. And pickle it in, in saffron and mustard yeah. uh, uh, pickling agent. Uh, okay, but, but you're right. Is... I can imagine. I can imagine that it's, it's a bitter melon. It's a melon. It's a melon. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. It's a vegetable. I can imagine. Yeah. It was horrible. You must... It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I tried just the small, smallest, tiniest what is, how did bit. You cook it? How did you cook I can't it? even remember. I think I tried to do it in a bit of a stew, a bit of a sort of like a cassoulet. Um, it must. It would have um, made everything bitter, though. Yeah, I can't even remember. I can't even remember now. It was, it was, it was revolting. I don't. Yeah, I definitely didn't even keep the menu. I think, but, but I think, yeah. You frying it though as well when you when you salt yeah. it, and you dry it, and you fry it. It's really nice yeah. dried. Yeah, yeah, bitter gourd. I don't. I I can't think of anything that I really dislike. I'm quite willing to try anything, to be honest with you. Of course, not not other things like dogs and that, of course. But um, <laughs> and dogs and cats. No, I, I wouldn't even you know, eat none of that thing. But I'm quite happy to try anything. But I think as a chef, as our job, you should really, to a certain degree, be try everything. That's part of your job, no? Because I yeah. think it's not, yeah. there's other chefs that oh, I'm not going to try that. Mm. I think as a chef, it doesn't make any sense, you know. Yeah, you yeah. have those. You have them. Yeah, you have them. But yeah, I mean, like moving from there, though. What do you think? You was, what, what? What? What else were you going to ask us? Well, I was going to ask: Has anybody had any um, difficult cooking disasters? Yeah. Um, no, my my. I, I remember when I when I actually first started out working in in the private world, and um, I worked for. I went and done this this private dinner for this really famous actor at the time. He was he was uh, in EastEnders, and he was extremely well renowned. Actually, very well renowned right now as well. There's a lot of uh, documentaries. Um, really top geezer, top top geezer. But I remember I was cooking a, a meal, and it's actually my wife reminded me of this actually because I forgot about this. Uh, and I was cooking this meal for the meal for them, and um, I had to go into the fridge and. Just, I just opened the fridge so quick because I was in the middle of dinner risotto for them, and all the two liters of double cream came flying over me, over all over the floor. <laughs> and, and what I never knew was that it was heated floor as well. 
And all he could hear was going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And that's what he could hear me say. He comes running through into the, into the kitchen. And he goes, what's, he goes, what's wrong? And he just looked at him and he goes, oh, fuck. I said, oh, I'm so, so sorry. He, I, 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 you know, just tell me where, where everything is and I'll clear it up straight away. He goes, Lisanne, don't worry about it. He goes, you've got far more important things to concentrate on right now. I said, what's that? And he goes, cooking. I'll clean it up. And, you know, he oh, wow. actually cleared it all up for me. Put it on, put it all in the bin, put, cleared it, mopped the floor, everything like that. And I said, I'm so sorry, I'm, I can't believe I've just done that. He goes, hey, he goes, it's just happened. Don't, don't worry about it. And on top of that, he gave me a glass of wine, really top-notch glass of wine to actually relax myself. He said, just, you know, don't worry, just kick it because we're enjoying the food. Just not yeah. a problem. And that was, yeah, that was, that, that, that was one of my first kitchen disasters as a private chef. Uh, but I've, had, I've, got, I've got several, but... <laughs> that, at, at, at that time, it was a. Uh, it was. I, I, you, you still, you, I just didn't know which way that would turn. I thought that could be that could be a, a disaster. In, in in fact, where the you know the the client could actually just totally yeah. flip. Yeah. yeah. That that story totally reminds me of um, first time I tried to make custard. Well, instant custard when I was when I was about seven or eight, um, spilling milk everywhere. I think I uh, tried to make yeah. So. Got up early in the morning. I was going to make some custard. I used to love like custard and banana. Um, little mushed up banana with custard. Yeah. That oh, is a, that's a kiddie favourite. Yeah. So you know, I, I see my dad make custard loads of times. You know, just boil milk on the stove. I I thought I'd be clever and put it in a kettle. So yeah. <laughs> so measured out whatever it was a pint of milk. Put popped in the kettle. Waiting there, sort of leaning over it. I could hear it boiling. I was just waiting for the kettle to click click off but it didn't click off and what what happened was the milk just shot out of the spout and shot straight up and hit hit the ceiling and went everywhere this just overflowed um, so, that was my first uh, yeah that's my right. first instance so, so, so that's your first cooking disaster ever but you're telling me you've never done any disasters after that never <laughs> never <laughs> uh, well, well. Well, I've got one, but mine's, I say mine's a bit boring and a bit, um, yeah, mine's boring, but I'm going to say it anyway. This why, is it, been, why is it boring? Because if anything, it was common sense, which prevailed me at the time. <laughs> it was a bit silly. Then. At the it time, does. I think to myself, why was I prepared? But it's just one of those things. So I went to do a dinner party a few years ago, me and my missus, and I think, it, if I can remember, it was for four clients. And on the menu, we had um, Philip steak, and the condiment was um, hollandaise sauce. So normally as a private chef, some of the stuff you pre-cook at home or you bring and finish on site. So in my pack, I forgot to bring eggs. So I'm like, oh, okay, we've got the main course coming up. I start the whole night sauce. I had the butter clarifiers ready to go in reduction. I looked around and I thought, oh, I've got no eggs. No problem. Surely they must have some eggs in the fridge. Yes, we did look enough, but we had two eggs. <laughs> and I forget this. What are they? I'm making my um, whisks, I'm whisking up the eggs, doing my sabi on and such. And it got too hot and it curled up. So, okay, I've got one more egg, I can do it again. So I thought this time, if anything, I'll take it off the heat and never on a pan and start again. Whisking, I can't think I must have got distracted. It split again. <laughs> oh, no. This is the worst of what I can imagine. So, right, it's my partner, I've got no more eggs, you're going to have to run to the shop. And at the same time, they have to stall the customers. So anyway, my partner runs to the shop, gets six eggs, uh, to restart again. And luckily, in the first attempt, everything fell into place and it came together. But I was panicking so much. I thought, 
God, please take me away. I cannot believe this is happening. But at the time, like I said, I think it was nerves, panicking, not thinking. And sometimes when you're not set, I find as a chef, if you're not set properly, you go off structure a little bit. And I just kind of lost the, lost the plot. But eventually I rolled it back and made it on this sauce and it was ready to go. And the customers loved it. And luckily, the customers didn't realise I made a mistake. Oh, or they didn't realise that you used their eggs without you asking. Well, I didn't say anything because they are <laughs> in the car and driving home. Because <laughs> 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 I was in a closed kitchen, no one could see what I was going through. But if you would have seen me, you'd have been laughing. You know, like, oh, God, never again. So now if I make home day stuff, so, I'll make sure I've got a batch of eggs with me, just in case. <laughs> well, so, that, that's, that's, so that's scuffered your confidence then, is it? No, there's one of those things, well, if anything, I tried to avoid making all this. But never shattered my confidence. I've got the abilities, but it's just one of those things. Sometimes it happens, you know. Just, yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah, we we all we all we all screw right. up, don't we? When you think about yeah. it, I, I, it's always out there that um, uh, I don't know why. I think people always think when you're a chef, you don't fuck up. But I think chefs must make so many screw ups. You you have to fuck up to learn, basically. You, you yeah. don't screw things up continuously. If you don't screw things up, you can't become a good chef. I don't think chef, you learn yeah. by your mistakes. It's like life, yeah. really, isn't it? That's true. It's very true. You know, some things you can mask and get away with, some things you can't, you have to restart again. Well, that's part of the job, I'll take it. But if anything, I think the story, to, the, the key bottom trying to mention, always try and be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> always, because you never know. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I totally, yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Is Peter frozen or is he just distracted there? I think he's laughing at something. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Just chuckling to myself. Well, I think I've had a quite a few disasters, but I think that's the only one I'm going to mention because I don't want to talk about my disaster too much because I'm a professional. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That's, that's, that's part of being a professional is talking about your disasters. Well, I mean, how about, have you, have you ever done done something like, who, have you ever made like a dish which didn't work or or something which didn't quite work like to the to large audience? Has, that, has this ever happened to either of you guys where like lots of people have seen you make a mistake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's well it depends really i mean like i've, I've, I've done it I've, I've, made, I've, I've made yeah i've made a mistake and i'm sure you have peter amongst two or three people but i think ian beats us all hands down we're talking about millions aren't we i want to yeah it's harsh, harsh to call it a mistake it's just i think he tried something which didn't quite work no i don't think it was a mistake it was under pressure mate yeah no it was on the it was on the it was on the, it was on the yeah. cusp wasn't it it's on the cusp yeah. that's yeah. all part of it wasn't it I'm not sure I can't remember what you're talking about, but anyway, moving on. I feel some of our listeners may be missing something here. Well, yeah, it wasn't, well, to be honest, that was a king of mistakes, but at the same time, I learned from that mistake again. Yeah. And if anything, no, the mistake I'd made, I'm going to revamp that dish and bring it back to life. And I've actually, anything, make it one of my signature dishes, which would be the purple risotto, which I made on, um, well, attempt to make on MasterChef. Yeah, but that's, that was just out of timing, though. Yeah, it was. It was. But it's, it's amazing how many people actually mentioned that dish, actually. Oh, and how's your results? Quite good, actually. What about your purple one? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, just, you should just say, I don't add food colouring into my food. <laughs> I should say that, but thanks for mentioning that, Peter. But if anything, I'm going to swiftly move on and get someone else to mention another disaster or... Some challenging moments in my kitchen. Well, my, my, I think for me, when I did, um, I did a trial for the job that I held down for nine and a half years. So, uh, and that 
trial was full on um, because it was for the person I was, I was doing it for. And it was he was just, uh, you know, he was a good, good, good guy to cook for, eventually a good guy to work for as well. But my trial was, it was crazy and um, so much pressure, so much pressure. But, and, but I remember this so like it was yesterday. Uh, I opened the oven. I was making uh, apple crumble. Oh, no, apple, was apple and rhubarb crumble. And uh, I opened it and the oven and the whole thing fell on my fucking arm, man. Ooh. And I had to, and this is me having to, I would have have to, so I had another one in there as well. But there was two, and one of them just fell. And I burnt myself severely. It was really bad. I had to put my hand under the water for 25 minutes. And this is during my trial, man. This is during my trial. So I had to, <laughs> I had to get one of the security guards to actually serve it up for me and plate it and dish it and do the whole thing and finish my custard for me. Ooh. Ah, you, you, you got the job in the end, though. Yeah, I did. I stayed there for nine and a half years. Excellent job it was. Worked out all right in the end for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jamie Dodger, I reckon. <laughs> Jamie Dodger, yeah. That was lucky, man. But I'd say it was painful, though. I mean, if you had um, caramelised sugar and bubbly hot, like, just pour over your arm. That's yeah, horrible. It does. It's painful. And when it blisters as well, that that was a disaster. Do you think? Do you think our? Do you think our? Uh, our like you know our uh, palates just want something different and the older we get the more more do you think we can become more challenging in terms of what we want to eat or do we become more set in our way and saying no i just prefer this and i just want to eat that and that's it you know i, th- I think pe- people can train their palates to accept food i think mm. i mean when i i think back to when i was in in sort of you know fine dining restaurants you know or even just working for every chef you have a different level of seasoning. Every chef has their own. Yeah. Sort of, so you work for a different head chef or, you know, different Michelin star chef, and they'll have different levels of seasoning. And, and you, when you're in a restaurant, you have to learn to how they season their food in that type of restaurant. And then that becomes normal to you. And then you go somewhere else where they use less seasoning and it might taste a bit un, under, you know, yes. not salt, needs more salt. But then you yeah. get used to it and you get used. And, uh, and I think palates, you can, you can, train yourself to eat stuff there there are things which i like coriander is a big thing for me if i'm eating any dish which has like the tiniest amount of coriander in the only thing i can taste is coriander you know and it's it's quite a potent herb though i used to absolutely hate coriander i still would never add coriander into anything but i can i can accept it and i think you can teach your palate to to accept foods if you eat them enough um, yeah. it's, it's quite interesting, but I mean, I'd still never add coriander to anything. But yeah, for me, coriander is like it's the only thing I can taste if it if it's in anything. Coriander is like the marmite of the world, isn't it? The world yeah. of herbs, I think. It's whether yeah. you you like it or you hate it. Because I love coriander, I really do. And I suppose it's because of the, the my background. My you know parents are Mauritian, and they used a lot of coriander when I grew up. So yeah, you you do train. But I think you're right. You do train your your palate into liking something yeah. and as i think as a chef you 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 i don't know do you have to do that um, i think you do i think uh, you do personally. Yeah. i mean i look at the way now I, I i i've dumped seasoned stuff half as much as i used to and i think that's probably because i had um you know high blood pressure and high cholesterol levels and i've i've begun to accept food like for breakfast i you know if, if i'm having porridge I, I cook my porridge with water now water oh, and salt okay. um <laughs> And I really enjoy that now. 
I'll put I'll put some you know some honey or some or some sweet syrup to sweeten it up sort of at the end. But I don't put anything else in it. Just water, water, salt, and oats, and some dried fruit and fresh banana at the end. And yeah, right. be- before I'd I'd want like a really creamy thing cooked with milk. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I've le- you know I've learned to like it with water. I'm going to say something because I think getting back to the question Vincent said, which is a very good question by the way, Vincent, so I have to give you a thumbs up for that. And oh, I thanks, think thanks, it, thanks. I can't even remember right. what he asked now. Yeah. <laughs> Let him have his moment, then we'll move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think as well, it's quite similar to what Vison said, but I'm going to change it slightly because I think it depends on the individual. Because as a chef, like you mentioned, Pierre, to a certain level, you're trained to season and taste and try different food. I think as an individual person who's not from a catering background, if you've got childhood memories and some of those memories are quite scurvy, I think automatically, you stay away from those dishes because you can say no. Because you're an adult, you've got your own opinion. So yeah. some dishes, like for instance, my missus will say, I'm not going to try that, but a guy that is cooking or whatever, I hate that, I'm not even going to give it a chance. Yeah. I think, like I said, it depends on the individual. Because as a chef, if someone said to you, I'm not going to try it, and you're a chef, you're going, well, why are you in the kitchen if you're not going to try the produce? But as a, say, a customer, some people say, damn right, nope, I hate it, don't like it, don't want to hear it. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right, actually, you're totally right. I, I, that, that, that is very true. Uh, because I, I, your childhood, actually, you, you know, childhood memories of, of eating it, uh, is a real platform in terms of yeah. how adventurous you will get into eating your eating habits. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and straying away from that, I don't know, is it easy to stray away from that and say, oh yeah, you know, I'd like to try this, I'd like to try that. I don't know. I think you know, there's there's two sides to that argument because as Peter yeah. says, you can train yourself to like something, but you don't have to enjoy it. Yeah, that's true. But but food is but food is really important. You have to enjoy, it, I think. But as a yeah. chef, yeah, it it it's it's a different uh, on a different level. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I but it's really if you think about it, like if you if you go back years now, ten years or whatever it is, and you think how food has evolved, and loads of people would have thought like now if you think about you know eating, you know cow's heart, you know eating pig's cheeks, eating trotters, pig's tails pig's ears if you see all this stuff that's on menus at this present moment now 10 years ago that was put on menus people think fucking hell i'm not gonna touch this shit what, what is this all about and i and, and that's why i think the transformation of uh, of people's perception of eating again we we've, we do end up training ourselves to trying it and try it and we'll, we'll give it and i think that the british public are really good for that because compared to other uh, countries they they will always give you know, a, a, a good chance of experimenting with other other dishes and other um, styles of cultural food, and they'll always go for it and give it a go. Uh, they won't turn out, and they won't always try and bastardize it either. <laughs> bastardize it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do not think. <clears throat> yeah, it is true. I've seen people do that. Yeah, but I mean, what can you do? You know, but I think if anything, like anything, as long as you want to try it, give it a go. But if you don't, I understand. Well, look at it. I, I mean, yeah, I guess as chefs, you, you have to taste food which you're serving, don't you? So if, yeah, someone yeah. Asks, if someone asks for something you don't like, unless you've got an allergy and a, and a genuine reason why you can't taste it, then you mm. you have to taste it. Mm. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you a little scenario I had, actually. Because I remember someone t- um, showed me about cooking global artichokes. Yeah. Obviously, the, cook, the cooking method was completely different to what I was used to. So I had my chef brain thinking, this is not going to work. So they just cooked it as it is in water and a bit of seasoning. But what they did as a compliment was mayonnaise with the artichoke. I was yeah. like, are you being serious? Mayonnaise and artichoke, I couldn't believe it. When I tasted it, oh my God, I was blown away. 
it works. Yeah, it does. I was yeah. surprised. Kind of like, a, that's quite a classical. Well, I mean, not mayonnaise. Hollandaise, wasn't it? You used Hollandaise, to, to yeah. Tradi- traditionally, used to, and you pull off the leaves and dip it in. Dip it in, yeah, yeah, And eat the flesh off the leaves, yeah. But, but again, I th- there's two thoughts of actually when you do artichokes, isn't it? Do you do it in acidic water or do you do it in non-acidic yeah. water? <laughs> yeah. See, so you, so I, think thing, yeah. Water, I think when, it depends what you're trying to achieve at the end of it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You know, if you cook it in barrigal, it takes on the flavour of a barrigal. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it keeps keeps its uh, a white colour. And if you just do it in salted water, then it it, it will go grey. But you know, if, if you don't mind that, then then that's fine as well. If you're going to roast, yeah. if you're going to roast it as well, you know, you're yeah. not really going to see the the greyness, and and you'll have more of a natural artichoke flavour, I suppose. Yeah. So what's that? Is that about a bit of presentation, or is it a bit flavour? I think it's both. I mean, I, me personally, I, if we're if we're solely looking at artichokes, I'd, I'd cook it in a barrigal. But that's just how I like it. That's personal preference. And what do I, you know, I do barrigal with a with a side of vinegar. I put maple syrup in it as well, olive oil, herbs. Yeah. So that, that you have to explain what a barrigal is. Is that what you just said? Is it? Uh, yeah. So a barrigal is kind of almost. It's it's not like a pickling liquor, is it? It's kind of like a you you cook vegetables in it. It's quite acidic it's, it's acidic it's basically not too so it doesn't oxidize the, the vegetables yeah. yeah um but it is acidic but, but again yeah i don't know see it, it really depends like i use the berry gold i'd use it if i'm doing for instance some nice grilled fish stuff like that yeah. the berry gold, so it goes on hot fish and it goes on that that's really yeah. nice but if i wanted to have the true flavor of the artichokes i don't cook it with any um, as, uh, acidic yeah, I, just, I just boil it i do i just boil yeah. it turn it and yeah. boil it I mean, if you, if, yeah, if I was just doing um, violet, you know, uh, baby violet artichokes, I'd just roast them, you know. Yeah, wouldn't, they're nice. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't cook them in a barrigal first if you, yeah. you know, if you got time, just pan roast them from raw. Um, yeah. Bit of, um, yeah, bit of olive oil. I put a bit of garlic and thyme in, um, and then baste it with a bit of uh, butter or, or vegan margarine if you don't want to use dairy. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what's funny? If I go back, maybe, was it? 30 years ago, when I first made an artichoke, and the way we was taught that you made it in like um, it was lemon, but you made like a water, water paste with flour, yeah, yeah, a blood, bl- yeah, bl- bl- yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what we learned to do at college, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. But again, I suppose the techniques have changed now, haven't they? Very oh, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a reflection of the techniques have changed, the reflection of how our palettes have changed on and what yeah. we find strange and what we don't find strange yeah excellent guys i reckon that was a good podcast then we can start thinking about um next week's podcast can we yeah, yeah. Who, who, who we got next week we've got um adam Allen from the frog joining us and what is he looking to discuss with us well he's looking to look how his career started when he first appeared on master chef and at present where he's up to now obviously the established frog restaurant and just talking about as well which happened in COVID 19 how difficult it's been for him yeah, COVID-19 being a real, real um, harsh reality on our industry and uh, especially on the private world as well, as well as the commercial world. Yeah, it's affected loads of people. Um, yeah, Adam's had a tough time of it. It'll be interesting to hear what he's got to say. So if you could follow us on Free Chefs on the Pod, which is every Wednesday. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChefsPod. Brilliant, brilliant. It's been a... Uh, uh, a great discussion, guys, and I think it's time to sign off. I'm Vissan and Enden. 
I'm Peter Pickering. I'm Ian Samuels. And, and we're three chefs, three chefs in the, in the pod. pod. Come on, we'll, guys. We'll, we'll have to work on that ending. <laughs> Take care. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Okay.